Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. All right, Lynn Shields, I am so excited. Finally, we get you on the pod. Although you have been on before. How have you been? I've been great. Improvising away. I have a ticket for today to Spontaneous Myth and Magic, your matinee show, and I can't wait. I think it's going to be a real good one. We have an almost sold out crowd. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, Sunday crowds tend to be really good. And Valerie, you've been to their Thursday and Friday night shows, and I would love to hear from the two of you, how did it go? Yes, I went to all three. So I'm three for three, and the storm was pretty bad last night, actually, but nothing's keeping me away now, and I'm so glad I went. The first night was such a success. I mean, oh my gosh, I'll let you tell, Lynn. It was so amazing. (laughs) Yeah, if I may, to give a little background to this show, Myth and Magic, It really was probably, of all the shows that we've done, the most workshopped in the sense that Ken had a vision, but it it wasn't set in stone. And so there was a lot of changing and, and, and nothing was, there were no rules. It was very like flowing compared to Hitchcock, which was very structured. So we, it was a big learning curve for us. And I think all of us as a, as a troop were nervous about starting the show. We just didn't know how it was going to go. We didn't know how we would be. And so when we get there on Thursday and Eileen has her beautiful set that she worked so hard on and the costumes and everything just seemed to click and it was better than any rehearsal we'd had, which isn't that unusual, but it was such a relief because we were nervous about this one. It was a great amount of fun. We were on a a high on Thursday night. And then Friday, we were coming in feeling good. And it was just a different crowd, a different audience, much quieter, not really giving suggestions as much. Some of the suggestions were not PG-13. And I think we let it get to us. I think we came out with energy, but we just lost our energy. I don't think it was a bomb, but it was just not it wasn't Thursday night. So we were kind of down when we came in yesterday to the show, like, oh, what's what's it going to be? And Ken was great. He was very encouraging. He just said, hey, sometimes that's how it goes at show business. You guys did what you needed to do. Don't worry about it. And then Saturday went on to be our best of the three, I think. So you never know. Now, I'd like to hear more about the difference between the audience on the night that you had more of a flow issue and then the audience on Saturday where you had your best show. Was there a big difference there? Yeah. Huge, huge difference. I don't really look at the crowd because I can't see them anyway, but you can feel the audience, right? You perform, Mm -hmm. feel the audience. It was that, it was that feeling of, I don't know if, if like the majority are on our side here. There definitely were people that were engaged, but I think there was this group of young, well, kids, I guess. I mean, 
college age who were just, they were having fun, but sort of at the expense of the players. And Mm -hmm. I think that threw some of us. Also, I get there early and I sit among the crowd and I can hear them. And I know many of them said they'd never seen improv before. So Mm -hmm. they, they didn't know what to expect. You know, sometimes you get new people who been to different shows, but these were completely newbies. Wow. So that maybe, yeah, yeah, they may have been comparing your show to another Lesher Center show that's scripted. So, and it wasn't just college kids. There were some very mature people too, who were just kind of shocked. They're like, what you want suggestions? You know, okay, they, they weren't responding. That's interesting. Well, you know, the lesser is advertising more. They used to not really advertise much shows that weren't. That's true. They are. So it's bringing in, I think, more people who really don't know what to expect from us. This show is very, in a lot of ways, very freeform. And so the audience on Saturday, how was that different? Well, again, that feel of this audience is with us. They want to play. They want to laugh. They want to make suggestions. They were interactive and very much just with us, with the story. What happens is, you know, then that we take that in and it builds and we get more energy. So it was just wonderful. That's true. They were way more playful. And again, all ages had nothing to do with their age. There was kids, there were seniors, but they, they wanted to engage. You just never know what you're going to get, right? <laughs> Usually we know when the cast is behind the curtain, and Ken is up there doing his intro. We can usually tell how the audience oh, okay. and accepts Ken. Like, okay, we're going to have to work a little harder. Or wow. this group is on fire already. That's kind of interesting. The personality of the audience. I like what you said about the comparison between the two shows, Hitchcock and Myth and Magic. Because I, I was able to attend the dress rehearsal for Myth and Magic. And right away, I noticed that it was not based on such a firm structure as Hitchcock. And I sat back in my seat and I was like, huh, this is going to be different. And my expectation going in was that it was going to be as structured. So it was it was exciting to make that mental adjustment. Oh, this is going to be more freeform. When I'd like to, if you don't mind, recap a little bit of the Hitchcock show because we weren't able to interview you during that run. And I heard that that show and its structure came from you. Not so much the structure that was Ken, but I, I was the one who said, let's, let's do Hitchcock. That would be fun. I was a Hitchcock fan, but not, not to the degree I am now having just watched his movies and read about him. And Ken was saying he, he wasn't really a Hitchcock fan. He didn't really know much of his work. But he also became a Hitchcock fan. What would you say now, looking back on the Hitchcock run, what was your takeaway? It was my favorite show, definitely. I, I loved, I just loved how Ken set it up with the hotel and the dark light at the beginning. And he just was setting the stage for suspense. One of the things I really enjoyed is that we really practiced hard with not over speaking. That's probably something I should think about as I'm talking to you. It's just to say your offer in a sentence or two, stop, and then don't have people fill in right away. Let there be silence. And that added to the suspense. And it was a really fun way to play. 
you guys did an excellent job of that. And it was for me, and I think I can speak for Valerie, because we've been to several of your shows, it was a significant difference. And yes, it was, mm -hmm. it was great. Hmm? Oh, yeah. And I, I'm surprised when you said that Ken wasn't a fan of Hitchcock, because he played everything so excellently. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and he's just, you know, an incredibly talented guy, but he did become a fan. I mean, he read a lot and really gained an appreciation for what a genius he, he was. So after Hitchcock ends, how long of a break did you have before you started rehearsing for Myth and Magic? We didn't have break. We don't really take breaks anymore. We just kind of go in the next week and start rehearsing. It was culture shock. You know, you, you practice something and then you do eight shows and it's like it's in your blood. You're sort of living in that Hitchcock world. And then we all walk into rehearsal and where are we? What planet is this? It's like all the structure was just gone. And go, oh, we're going to be gods and you be a tree and you be a, a Glorna. And we were like, uh, what? <laughs> kind of uh, shocking. <laughs> was it conscious? Was it something that you and the group talked about uh, that this show is going to be less structured than the Hitchcock show? Was that put no. into words? No. No, I think that's what it was. You know, it's like we were so focused on Hitchcock that we didn't even talk about myth and magic. And Ken was sort of in his mind working on it, but we were talking about it. Then Ken presented it and it's like, oh, we're not doing a full length play. We're doing little stories. That's the major difference. That was huge. Doing a 90 minute play is very different than doing a 10 minute play. Mm -hmm. So we had to learn how to do a five minute play that's a complete play beginning middle and end and figure out how to mix it up and that's very challenging yeah very, and probably the most challenging thing for i would say a lot of us is narration for <clears throat> myth and magic for people who are familiar with it is it's an anthology of of little plays about the creation myths that we are making up takes place in the Bronze Age. There is no history as we know it now, except for Bronze Age and before. We're a group of storytellers uh, telling these different stories of creation, the world, the earth, people, animals, the destruction, which is part of a lot of myths, a hero's journey. And those are all new to us. In my mind's eye, when sitting in the dress rehearsal and watching you guys perform, which was so fun. It, it felt like we were a tribe and we were gathered around the fire and we were listening to the elders of the tribe or the performers of the tribe tell the story of our mythic origins. That's the vibe that I got. What do you well, think, Valerie? You nailed it. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Ken would be very happy with that because it's exactly what we wanted the audience to feel. Like they were part of this, you know, in an amphitheater and listening to the stories of their people. I'm wondering if, if this is what Ken is thinking, that he wanted it to be freeform to communicate more of that informal storytelling, uh, engaging, accessible kind of performance where Hitchcock was more of a, of a formal performance. Does that make sense? Yeah. But then again, you 
as the group may not have that structure to fall back on. So it is more challenging in that way. And then also, like you say, if you're telling it in, in chapters that are, that are small, making up the whole, then you, you have to restart. It's yeah. not, the idea isn't necessarily to be chapters in one book, more like you can pick a story out of any and, and in and of themselves, they should stand alone. Another thing that it surprised me that I was, it was a welcome surprise is that I went in and I was thinking, oh, this is going to be like fairy tales, myth and magic. But I was, it was actually very refreshing and a good surprise in that it wasn't so much fairy tales, like grim fairy tales, not at all. It was, like you say, based on myths that we all know well, uh, but have so much room for interpretation and reinterpretation. And, and I really enjoyed seeing you guys do that. Oh, that's good to hear. The, the idea was to do myths, but to have them be original myths, not recreating old Greek myths or that kind of thing, but to come up with our own. I don't know how much we've been thinking about this, but also to be able to do myths that aren't always male-centered, male-dominant, because if you read the myths, there are some that are sort of female-centric, but mostly not. We were hoping to get some positive female mythology in there. Do you have a favorite myth? Well, here's the thing about myth and magic is, and, and probably what made the transition from Hitchcock to myth a little more jarring for me is I, I'm not a big fan of myths. I, I haven't like studied them, read them. So this was a learning curve for me in that way. It's much more fun to, to make them up yourself. And what is it about myths that doesn't appeal to you? There's a part of me, and this may seem really contradictory given that I, I do improv, but these, the story seems so outlandish and almost ridiculous. And they're so short, but it's just like, and then the gods threw up and the island of Hawaii was created. And, and that's not satisfying for me. What was the backstory? And so they're just not that interesting to me. And, oh, I just, I'm like hitting myself saying that because I know that people enjoying this so much. It's just, it's just not my thing. I totally can, I can see that, right, Val? Yes. And to be honest with you, I didn't think I was going to enjoy this genre because like what myth? It sounds like fantasy and there's gods and just not, not my thing. And, mm -hmm. but I'm pleasantly surprised at how well, of course, synergies making this something that we can all enjoy, even if you think you're not going to like it. I loved last night's show. What do you think was different, Val, if I can ask you a question? As an audience member, did you notice anything different? Well, first off, Ken got us doing suggestions differently. You know, he was doing the one, two, three. He warmed us up better than just picking out one person in the audience like he did the first two nights. Yes. Getting a group effort and he takes the best one made a huge difference last night. And then again, the energy, like you said, is more than half of it. You have the audiences on your side, but you guys just feed off each other. The audience gets you guys buzzy. You guys get us buzzy and it just kept going. It never stopped. Yeah. It's really that give and take. And it's so fun. Friday night was like a bad date. Like a bad <laughs> person. You know, like it's you're there. 
and you got to kind yeah. of finish the drink or whatever, but it's it not should have just been a drink. I know it was I a really long to keep dinner up the conversation, but uh. <laughs> the, the really good shows and the bad shows you just learned from, and I won't say bad, but less, less good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gets kind of embarrassing when you're out there and you know, it's not going well. <laughs> and you know, we're all out there going, what? Why don't we get to make it better? We, we realized after that the things like it, it, we, in order to get the crowd, we were trying to be more funny. And the last thing you want to do in improv is try to be funny. You're right. It, it just, backfired. And Ben is so good at he jumps in and he does the slapstick stuff, which usually works. When we start <laughs> to do scavological humor, things are not <laughs> going well. That's <laughs> when, when we happen as a cast to make an agreement that we will have no more scenes was <laughs> out of poop. Okay. To go back to what we were talking about, about myths being so outlandish or, or not making sense. While you were talking about that, I was thinking these myths came to be from people who did not have science and did not know the way the world worked. So in my mind, they were making up these stories to make sense of the world as best they could. And they were very much like children in that they didn't have the context that we as modern people do. Maybe that explains a little bit why myths are the way that they are so fantastical. What do you think? Oh, that's absolutely. And and even that's what so many of our stories are about, even that aren't myths that are in modern times. It's just trying to understand the world, trying to explain. It's just on a different level now. Yeah. And then to add to that, you will have more fun in the audience of a Synergy show if if you're willing to be more like your childlike self and just engage and have fun and not worry about appearances and remember that time where the world was wide open and open to interpretation and you were excited about it all. Absolutely. Well said. And that's as true for the players as it is the audience. You have to release that child. Now, I'm sure that the set is contributing to, yes, because I've heard we've been texting about the set and I would like to open that up because it sounds like there was a lot of ambition. So Lynn, can you tell me about the set? Yes, I'd be happy to. And really, I, I'm, I'm going to be speaking for Eileen here, who is just the brilliance behind it all. Part of Ken's vision was to have this set with like Stonehenge type rocks and a tree and a well. That was his idea. So he went to Eileen because Eileen is our creative genius architect. You've obviously talked with her, you know, and she came up with some really beautiful designs. Ken picked one. And it would have all gone perfectly had it not been raining and stormy. And all of this work that Eileen did, cutting out these pieces and getting all this supplies, building huge stones and the nine foot tree, it was going to be nine feet. And it was just so much work. And Eileen is also a full-time architect. We were trying to get this set together and different cast members were coming over and meeting and paper macheing and painting and doing it in the rain sometimes. It was pretty wild and things weren't drying, but it was all good when the time came. I can't wait to see it. Valerie, how would you describe it? 
I, I wanted to take it home. Seriously, I wanted to. I'm like, I can have this in my living room. It's so beautiful. And I, I just love the ancient look. And it, it's lightweight. That's the shocking thing. These things look like pillars, but it's amazing. You're, you'll see, Sarah, how they manipulate this set. And I have to say the kids love it too. That tree. They, they, they just ran to the stage as soon as you guys leave. They're like, take a picture, take a picture. They and want there's to be a, there's a hole in it so people can put their face through it. We call it our yeah, table. that's it. And you know what's interesting is you had mentioned Sarah how the the set and the costumes added. We had never practiced or rehearsed with any of the props. Oh, you haven't. No, because they weren't ready until. Oh my gosh! Our first time seeing the tree, the well. (laughs) I mean, we helped make those things, but we didn't see them all put together and on set. And so we're having fun finding different ways to play. Like, oh, we can go in the well, and we can we can make things out of these stones. It can be a throne. It can be a collapsed city. So we're having fun with it. Yeah, Yeah. really amazing. I mean, I I think the combination of this new story genre and that amazing set you guys just keep raising the bar synergy (laughs) i've been going since 2018 and you still keep surprising me with all your new ideas lynn is there a set piece that you find inspires you more than others probably the well maybe because i'm i'm a water sign i don't know i tend to be drawn to it it's really the most colorful piece because of the water element. And so I find myself drawn to the well. Lynn, did you know that it would be used for the underworld? Oh, no. No. It's, <laughs> it's become a portal. It is. Yeah. It's it's a visual to look at the ground and be like, okay, now we're under. There's, yeah. there's the heavens and the underworld and it separates. That was a cool thing that came out. Okay. Okay. I thought you planned that. No, I don't not at all. I mean, we had four pillows that was a well. In, in <laughs> and mostly we just would sit around it and talk. We didn't go to the underworld in it. So. I find it fascinating that it seems instinctual across cultures that up, like the heavens, that mm. is bright and has a positive energy to it and, and down or under has a more of a dark and negative energy to it. And that what you just said, Lynn, was fascinating in that in rehearsal, you just had the ring of pillows on the floor that would symbolize where a well may be, but it wasn't a well. But then when you get the visual impact and symbolism, oh, that is a well, that you immediately, you as a group, immediately start making those associations with what may be down there. Can you speak to that? I think our imaginations are really released with the the colors, all of that, like using our five senses and picking up even like the crowd. And that allows us to see things differently, if that makes sense. It's like, like when we're on stage, it's almost like suddenly we're in a fantasy world. And the well is now really a well, not four pillows that we're pretending. Is. It's just a very cool experience. Things change and look different when you're out there. And it's transporting. And I can't wait. I can't wait. Valerie, do you have a favorite set piece? Because you have said before that you go down on stage before a performance and you take pictures of just the set pieces. So you, <laughs> I think you talked about the tree, but what 
what one would you pick if you could bring one home? <laughs> I like the giant pillars too. The first night I saw it, like, oh man, I could totally have this as a bench in my dining room set. It, you know, Ben just burst out laughing. It's like, what kind of house do you have, Valerie? Like a Flintstone house? <laughs> I do love the tree. It, it's it's geometric looking, but it's also symmetrical. It's just fascinating. It's beautiful. Oh, I the tree. In terms of just artistry, the tree's my favorite. And yeah, like last night, I couldn't stop looking at it. It's, it looks so perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's it's just gorgeous. And you know what's interesting is that everything is gray. Your set is gray. Costumes are so bright. Yeah. So that really stands out. Whereas Hitchcock, everything had color. But this one, the contrast is really stunning. Yeah. We're just walking around set and in these tunics. And it's great because it feels like we're performing in our night clothes. What they really are is their bathing suit cover-ups. <laughs> Eileen Googled Moroccan caftan. And that's... yeah. But they're very colorful and they're very embroidered. comfortable, very comfortable, which is nice. And some have belts. And I must say, though, in some of Arastu's pictures, because he's not wearing a belt. And if I'm sitting where I can't see his face, I yeah. just get his behind. It looks like he's wearing a hospital gown. <laughs> I, I'm like, oh, I wish he had a belt on because every picture looks like he's in a hospital gown. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let, let's not tell him that. You should know. Well, at least it's not open in the back. That's the good news. Well, <laughs> I expect it to, you know, pop open. Oh, no. Yeah, it's really gratifying to, to, to be performing with the men having to wear dresses. It's just, and they love it because it's comfortable, right? Oh, yes. You are reminding me of some, let's see, wardrobe malfunctions from the Hitchcock show. <laughs> there, were, there, were, there were quite a few, actually. But it was great to be in the audience and see you, the performing group, deal with those. And improv is not supposed to be perfect. And I'm learning that part of really great improv is the acceptance of the imperfection on both sides, both for the performers and for the audience, and then just loving it, loving the imperfection. Oh, oh, that happened last night, and it was me that blew it. But it ended up being really a great moment. I used the wrong word and people were playing kangaroos. And I meant to say that the kangaroo was gifted with the ability to hop, but I said the human. I didn't even realize I had said human. Without skipping a beat, Ben jumps in and says, oh my God, to the kangaroo, you're a human. And it was perfect. And I was like, Thank you. Thank you, lovely cast. And that's the beauty. I, I mean, we take care of each other. And yeah, you're going to blow it. But if you can make it like a gift, then it usually brings enjoyment to the audience. Yeah. What if, what if we thought of every, I don't want to call it a mistake, because I don't know that I believe in those anymore, as far as improv goes. What if, if we... Unexpected gifts. Yes. What if we, what if there were no mistakes? And there was just more to improv from, or like you say, unexpected gifts. What, what if? You know, I think that's really, truly the goal like that we're always working towards. Because we, I don't know if it's improvisers as a whole, but I think we tend to be pretty hard on ourselves. 
we do think about mistakes and right and wrong. And it, it makes our work worse with that. And I think it would be freeing and lovely to think there are no mistakes, just gifts and just grist for the mill, another offer. Yes, I can speak for Valerie. That's how we see it in the audience is when any kind of unexpected thing happens, it's great because then it's, it's, it's funny, but it's also like, oh, what's going to happen next? It's, it's like you say, Lynn, those moments are, are wonderful. I, I celebrate them. After that happened, even though I had made a mistake, I didn't beat myself up or feel bad because it was like, oh yeah, you guys have my back. You made your partner look good. Whereas if that hadn't happened, I would have been beating myself up all night. And what I love so much about Synergy Theater and Ken's instruction and how you, the group, all play together is those three rules always come through when you need them. And it's be spontaneous, make your partner look good, build on your partner's ideas. And it's unique to Synergy and it makes for a wonderful experience time and again. I love this group. I've been with Synergy for almost 10 years. There's been lots of iterations. I think that this group, and I think COVID had even something to do with it. It's really well bonded. We really care about each other, like each other. We socialize. That all plays into when we're on stage and that hive mind. It's a great feeling, really. Now, to speak about the group members, we have Ben, who is tall and usually wears glasses, but we also have a new addition and his name is Benny. Benny is someone that I've improvised before with. He's been in Synergy classes and he's so great, so great to improvise with, but he is now new to the group. Is that right? Yes. He had his first performance on Friday, (laughs) trial by fire, Uh and uh, he's doing great. He's getting out there. He's so funny. Fits right in. Very talented. He's a he's really he's a professional actor. He's been doing theater since he was in middle school. What is it like to bring a new person in to this to this group? That's an that's a good question. It's been very smooth and easy with Benny. It's like he just he's just one of us. It's not always like that. Sometimes we've had people like two people come in at a time, and that can be a little jarring. Anytime you have a group, there's a group dynamic and then you add something and then the dynamic has to change. Everything has to kind of move. And that has been difficult at times. Before COVID, we did noir and it was our second time doing noir, but a couple of things were changed. One, our entrances now weren't like we normally do them. I won't go into it, but that was a little more complicated. And we added like three new people. Our cast was really big, too many for the show. We were all trying to figure it out. And I think it made it hard for the newer people when here, if you will, the the old timers were struggling with what are you doing and how do we deal with all these people? And I think it was hard for them to come in. That was not a smooth transition. Other transitions, like with Benny, just a breeze. What do you like about improvising with Benny? Oh, his depth. He he just goes deep and finds a character. Now he's he did a really hilarious 
character, an orphan boy last night. Wasn't that funny, Val? And yes. And all the other people were were playing orphans that were sympathetic. And he played this total bratty, loud orphan. And of course, that's the one that got adopted. But it was so (laughs) surprising. Like no one was expecting that, right? And it was great. He has no problem just doing anything. Yeah, he's a natural. He was the first one coming out last night and his parents were there. You know how I stand there after the show and I give everyone applause. He's so humble and timid. He wasn't expecting like, who's this crazy woman applauding me? He comes in backstage just to go to his mom. And there I am like, great show. If he stays with you guys, he'll get used to seeing me. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Oh, I hope he does because he seems like he is open and honest. Mm-hmm. And flexible and easy to be around. See, we met Benny. He was the one handing out our badges at the Lesher. Oh, yeah. He worked there. He worked there. And that's, I think that's how he got interested in him. Oh, what a great story. Well, maybe, Lynn, if you have a good time today talking to me and Valerie, maybe you could, you know, say to Benny that Valerie and I would love to have him on the podcast. Oh, yes. absolutely. I'll tell him today. <laughs> now you are a few hours away from showtime. So what goes through your head in the few hours before you go on, on stage? Well, usually like, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I have my whole shower ritual and everything. And then I text Nikki as soon as I'm ready and go, can I come over now? <laughs> and then <laughs> it, it, it helps to be together to kind of bite our, our nerves. We usually get together and either talk at her house for a little bit and then we go maybe meet for coffee or something. I find that that hanging out with other improv people before the show helps because otherwise I'm pacing. It's just like, I want to do it. I just want to get there and go. Do you go over in your mind shows from like, okay, so we're today's Sunday. Do you think about, okay, Saturday, this happened, Friday, this happened, Thursday, this happened, or do you just push that aside in favor of it being improvised and spontaneous, what do you do? Yeah, I definitely push it aside because I really don't like to to do any scripting or pre-thinking because one tends to want to push an idea if you have it. Mm-hmm. So I just I just let what happens happens and talk about before the show like, okay, we've kind of done this theme a lot. Let's not do that. It gets talked about with the group beforehand, that kind of stuff. For sure. What do you hope that you gain from this experience that may be different than what you gained from Hitchcock? That's actually a very easy answer for me. The answer is confidence. Because this show was was a challenge to a lot of people's sense of confidence. Because new skills were required, short plays, narration, popping up a lot to talk without necessarily being in a scene. And those are were new and things that I'm less comfortable with as far as narration. One of the things that a few of us worked on, a few of us are in an all women's improv group that kind of talks about these things. We really focused on getting out there and just being confident, even if you don't feel confident. Valerie, you were at the, well, you both rather were at the open rehearsal. I think you saw that we were struggling with confidence. We were (laughs) scared, to to be honest, because it just, things weren't really clear and gelled yet. That's something that obviously we can use all the time. 
in improv. That's what myself and a few of us are really focusing on. It's just to go out there and be confident, even if you don't know what you're going to say. Can we open that up? Because I would love to learn how to have more confidence. How are you doing that? Well, you know, it goes back to that thing that we were talking about earlier about what if there are no mistakes, just gifts. Allowing ourselves to be human and imperfect, accepting that about ourselves, to know that it's not about right or wrong. And the other thing that I'm using a lot is acting as if, like, I'm gonna, what would I be like? What kind of improviser would I be like in this situation if I were feeling really confident? And then pretending. And it works. I believe that if you look up the root definition of confidence, which I love to do with any word, but with this one, I believe that it means to have faith in oneself. Hmm. Exactly. That whatever situation comes up, you can handle it. And with improv, I've got my people there who'll have my back and they'll help me make it all right. What does the word confidence mean to you, Valerie? I think it's exactly what she said. Faith in yourself. It works so well for synergy because none of you have egos, right? You're all like the hive's mind. You're working together. Somebody misses a name or, or something. Somebody's there to catch you. So your confidence in yourselves brings the, makes the whole group confident. And we trust you. We're in the audience. Like, I trust that these people are acting their hearts out. They're going to give us a good time tonight. And that you all have each other's backs. Lynn, I would love to hear a little bit more about the all-women's improv group that you're in. Could you tell us more about that? Camila runs it, and it's just four of us. Three, it's three synergy people, Eileen, Nikki, and myself, a lovely woman named Jane from New Zealand, and Camila. Camila, she's a improviser, dancer, and her love is musical. But one of the other things she does is support female improvisers. We, we only meet once a month at, at this point, but it's to give confidence to women because men tend to improvise in a very different way than women. It really lets us explore and value what we bring to improvisation as women and to know that our voice is as important even though it may not always be as loud. How would we, if we were going to look at where to find this group and performances and schedules, how would we find that? We, we're not a performing group. It's a support group, really. I will check with Camila because she's actually slowing down with that aspect of her work. She's making some changes. But I will ask her because I know she wants to do something, continue. So I'll ask her where you could reach her or someone who's doing that kind of thing. Because it'd be great to have women, but she's doing this totally free. Yes, I, I hope that it continues in some form. And I imagine that there are, are more like us that would want to be a part of it. Well, we could all also just do our own group because it's just about kind of supporting each other. And we know that how powerful a supportive group can be. <laughs> right, right. That's why a lot of us get to the lecture early just to have that kind of support in the dressing room. And it's important. Well, you have our support, 
Right, Valerie? hundred thousand percent. Very, very much felt and appreciated for sure. I do. I hope you feel that when you are about to come out or you're backstage and I hope you know that we are for you. We're with you and cannot wait. We take joy in what you take joy in and especially when you're performing. And I, I do hope that we can make that difference for you guys. You do. I mean, you guys are, are so wonderful. Okay, Lynn, is there anything else that you want to talk about or promote? Anything that you're looking forward to with Synergy Theater? I want to make sure that we bring up. Oh, well, I am looking forward to our next show, The Mating Game. Yeah, me uh, too. And and one of the special things is that Valerie Regalia is going to be directing it. A show that was one of our online shows during the shutdown. It's going to be a limited cast. So I think there's only going to be six people per show. So it'll be a little different. It'll be very different, in fact. And I'm, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see that. I, I remember the show from TV. And then I, I also, of course, watched it when it was online. Yeah. And it was so funny. And, mm-hmm. and now we get to see it live. I anticipate it's going to be very popular. What do you think, Valerie? I want to watch the online shows again, just to refresh myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they maybe I think we're going to add some things like some like backstage people. So it's not just the contestant. And mm. oh, so I think we're going to have a production person so that because it was a, a 45 minute to 50 minute show and now it's going to be 90 minutes. So we have to fill it out a bit. OK. And I did want to ask Valerie, do you have a favorite mythic character or <laughs> or or creature? I don't have a favorite. I do remember watching like Jason and the Argonauts when I was a kid. A great movie. And I know. And I, I just, I'm kind of waiting for one of you to just do like a mighty slaying of a creature on stage, which hasn't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> so the, the, the beaver and the giant didn't do it for you, huh? Well, let's <laughs> see what we can okay, do. For like, you. you can make the suggestion, Valerie. Uh, well, I'm I'm doing the video, so I tend not to talk over my own video, but just we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. And Lynn, if you don't have a, a favorite myth, maybe there's a character or a creature that speaks to you. Ganesh, the eight-armed elephant creature deity. Oh, wow. What about that appeals to you? The visual. And I don't know a lot about the deity. But I believe there's kindness involved. And I also really like elephants. So, And my daughter has a huge back tattoo of Ganesh. Oh, wow. Yeah. How cool is that? All right. Valerie, Lynn, thank you so much for taking the time today. And I cannot wait. I'm smiling from ear to ear. I hope that's coming through. I am too, because I'm excited to see both of you. Yes. And I can't wait to see today's performance. And I know it's going to be great. And there are no mistakes. That's right. We're just gifts all around. Yep. Yeah. Thank all you right. so much, Sarah, for, okay. for doing this also. Oh, Happy of course. Sunday, y'all. This is a joy. Okay. I'll Thank see you. Thank you both. Bye. See you later. See you guys Bye. in a bit. Bye. Yeah. Bye. And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on School of Improv. 
Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you.